Hello everyone, welcome back to Seeking Sustainability. So this is actually, as I was looking at my archive of podcast episodes, I realized that this is the 20th episode, which is really exciting. I I hadn't even, honestly, the year had gone by so fast, I didn't even realize I've been doing this for almost, if not just about exactly a year. Um, and, you know, even though I've talked about in the last episode, uh, I talked about how I'm posting episodes less frequently and allowing myself longer gaps of time between between posting episodes so pretty much the last episode this one and the next two are like incredibly long overdue but again with passion projects I've realized that uh that you should never necessarily feel obligated to churn out content because this isn't this was something that I started as as a passion project amidst quarantine and whatnot and um but it's exciting that I've been doing this for a year and that I have people who listen to this, which it's just cool. It's, I don't know. So I know on the podcast, we've either, I don't know if we've, yeah, we, I believe we've like directly spoken about it or at least hinted at, you know, the topic or notion of voting with your dollar, voting with your wallet. So, and that's always pretty much in direct reference to like buying a product from a more sustainable company or like allotting a certain amount per month to like shop at farmers markets again all of this i know is easier said than done like i do not do do all of these things all the time um and in general money especially when we're talking about things that can cost more money like quote-unquote sustainable brands is a sensitive topic um but i haven't talked with anyone about investing uh like actually financial investment um or like the act of investing in a more sustainable company. Um, and so when Sarah from Money Meets Soul, who is the guest of today's podcast, approached me with the proposition of talking about her background, which she has this really interesting background in corporate finance and the work that she does now at Money Meets Soul, which is all about sustainable investing and helping the environment with through your financial investments, um, when she approached me to talk about that, I was instantly intrigued and knew that this would be such a beneficial topic for listeners and also selfishly myself. Um, you know, as young people, we have the power to kind of change how companies are run and we can do that through investment. There's a quote that I pulled. Let me find it. I think that she says, yeah, she says in the in the episode, when you invest in a stock, you invest in a company. Um and so she, yeah, she had so many good quotes in this episode. Um, and, and finance is one of those things. I wish I could say that I was really confident and knowledgeable about it, but I'm not. Uh, this was the first time I've ever talked to anyone about finance and actually have felt inspired or intrigued um, or motivated. Uh, investing, it feels scary for me. And I have, I have to admit that I'm still like standing on the shore, like waiting to figure out, like, should I dip my toes into the ocean? Um, essentially, yeah, that's my metaphor. Um, but I will say, yeah, listening to this episode was the first time that I've actually been like, oh, wait, maybe I can do that. And I don't know. I know this is a generalization. Like there are so many incredible women in the finance industry, but maybe it's just because money feels for some reason like energetically masculine just like the entire world of finance feels masculine um I don't know maybe it's because in the U.S. we're like surrounded by finance bros but it was so it was really cool to talk to a really knowledgeable woman about this 
Um, so yeah, anyways, make sure to check Sarah out at Money Meets Soul on Instagram. I'll link her website. I'll link her resources. She was so kind to share all of this knowledge. Seriously, so generous. Um, and if you have any questions for her, feel free to reach out to her. I'm sure she will be super responsive. Her Instagram is amazing. She does such a great job with her page. So definitely follow her on Instagram and yeah i think that's i think that's all i don't i don't think i have anything else to uh to add to my little spiel so without further ado let's welcome sarah to the seeking sustainability podcast well sarah i'm so happy you reached out and thank you so so much um for joining me today and the first question i always ask everyone uh it can be a little little esoteric a little bit deep but in your opinion what does it mean to be an environmentalist Hi, Julia. Thank you for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Um, I mean, I think for me, being an environmentalist is just to realize that, you know, the world is bigger than just us. And mm-hmm. that for, for us to thrive as, you know, as a society and as humans, we need to start living in symbiosis with nature and the planet around us on every level. Yeah. I love the term of symbiosis because I feel like that's such, um, I actually, for my capstone project in college, did a project and I called it, the name was inspired by that term. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. our relationship with the earth needs to be like mutually beneficial. And right now we're just extracting and the earth is giving. Um, So yeah, our relationship is totally out of balance and we're definitely not living in a symbiotic and, you know, a mutually beneficial symbiotic relationship. So yeah definitely and I, th- I think that I mean of course we're going to be talking about money today and <laughs> money is a big part of being an environmentalist I think because I believe that uh, one of the most pure forms that we express who we are in the world today is through how we choose to spend our money and what we mm. choose to do with it it's just a very pure energy exchange from you know what we want to experience um in the world around us so that's so true I yeah I didn't even think about that but I mean if you have like the means to be spending money freely how you spend it is such yeah you're right it's such an expression of what you value or what you enjoy and that's super interesting I've never heard it put like that that's really cool yeah and even when you don't have the money to spend freely it also says a lot about you because then you actually have to go down to the bare minimum says, okay, what do I actually care about? So mm-hmm. when you get to that point, I remember that in college, um, it was a few years ago, but I remember because <laughs> I really had to make decisions as to, okay, what do I care about? And what do I not care about? Because I didn't have the money to spend on everything. And then that is one of the problems we have in the world today. That is that the older we get, the more we spend on just everything that we can because we can afford it. And I think that we shouldn't, we shouldn't turn our life. It's called lifestyle inflation that we, you know, change the way we live our lives because of how much money we have. And I don't think that we should do that. That's so, that's pretty, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so your story, I've, I've looked through your Instagram, obviously, and read your bio and your story is super interesting. Um, so I would just love for you to talk about who you are, what you do and how, what led you to becoming so passionate and developing an expertise in sustainable investing? 
Well, I have always cared a lot about nature and wanting to help people. And already when I, you know, wanted to start studying business, I actually stopped studying business because I went straight into economics, which is essentially, you know, uh, how the, it's more about the government and how everything is put together. It's not a how you run a business. It's, you know, I studied financial crisis for a year. So I know a lot about that side of finances. But uh, for me, it was a lot about this whole thing. We have so much fear and greed and destruction around money in general. And we need to channel that towards the good things in life instead, because that is how we can um, channel it towards preservation of life on the planet. And um, all of the things that actually will make the world a better place. So I started working in the financial industry and then along those times, there was a very weird place and time in my life because I got so swept up in what I thought life should be. And because I was right out of college, I ticked all of the boxes that I had put up for myself and I was in my mid twenties and I was like, okay, what's next? I should be happy by now because I have everything that I said that I wanted. Yeah, but why am I not happy? And I think that that's one of the things we tend to do to ourselves is just to put off our happiness towards you know once we deserve it or once we think that we're worthy of it. And I definitely did that, and I ended up I was living a really really good life, but it was always something missing. And so I went traveling because you know you hear all these stories about this you know, ambitious, highly educated women who kind of have a mini breakdown and go to travel the world and find themselves. Eat, pray, love. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did that a few years ago because I, uh, and what they don't tell you about that is what you do is that you reevaluate your value system. And I was mm-hmm. in deep need of doing that because I had grown up in a society, we talk about Sweden, I love Sweden, but it's also very conformist. And uh, if you stand out from the crowd, they're going to you know, beat you down. No, okay, that was an exaggeration, but that's it's not as individualistic as the U.S., for example, where we you kind of embrace um, expression individuality in a, on a different level. So I needed to get out of the world and kind of in, individuate. I think that's an English word as well. Um, and when I got back, the whole movement of sustainable investing is just started to become a thing. So it started in Scandinavia. Uh, with our pension funds, kind of with our pension funds, um, you know, starting to divest from things that are jeopardizing our future, like fossil fuels. And when I heard of that, I just, it just clicked in me. And I've been part of it since there was this hippie niche thing that no one wanted to talk about. No one wanted to touch it. Uh, because let's face it, I was working with the rest of the financial industry. Um, but now, especially during last year, it all went completely mainstream. And I think that going forward is just going to dominate the way we look at, at investing in general. Wow. That's so awesome. I love your story. I think it's super interesting. And I think, I also think a lot of people can resonate. I know you've said so many things on your Instagram that I really resonated with. And especially the spot I'm in, in my life that, you know, how do you, you had this one post that was talking about um, living the life that you want to live and kind of something around like kind of reevaluating like what makes you happy and like what like what happiness looks like for you. Um, and I think I'm sure you've probably experienced this working, you know, 
in the financial financial industry and you had said on your Instagram you were had designer bags and we're going to restaurants but um in this world we live in which is beautiful where it's nowadays everyone is so ambitious um and we're surrounded on social media by ambition but sometimes I wonder if that can cloud our perception of what happiness looks like I don't know what are your thoughts on that one of the things that is very concerning to me right now is the hustle culture that is even during a pandemic kind of driving the entire narrative on social media that you cannot enjoy a hobby if you cannot make money off it and I think that's insane Uh, it's so um what's the English word it's damaging for future generation and for your own well well-being and health it's we definitely have to change change that because we need to find joy in the life that we have and we need to do it now. There's no, I, a lot of the people I talk to who come and work with me, uh, I ask them, okay, what do you want? You know, just a question, what do you want? And that's a scariest question that you can ask someone because it, it, take, it has, or it, um, it makes you question, you know, the way you view life and what you have done yeah, up until that yeah. point. So, and most of, most of the time people say freedom. They used to say, you know, I want to be rich, but now people see that, okay, freedom is the one thing that I want, but what does that actually mean? There's no definition of what freedom means. That's all about you. And then I ask, okay, what do you do? If, if you value freedom that much that all you care about right now is freedom and working towards that goal, how do you bring that into your life today? Because let's face it, not all of us can just quit our nine to five job and go start your own small business. We need to have a plan. So if you want freedom, how do you bring that into your daily life today? And you find those moments of what brings you happiness today. And definitely, um, if you spend money on the things that makes you happy, truly happy, then you know there are no there are no other way that you will fi- feel more alive and vibrant than doing that. I promise you that. So it's all connected in some beautiful way. Amazing. Oh my gosh. You're so wise. I, I like, I feel so grateful that you reached out to me and I'm like getting to listen on all of these thoughts you have. Um, because I hope this isn't selfish, but I definitely needed all of that advice. And it's funny, um, amidst these difficult things I'm going through, I think just yesterday, my boyfriend and I have consistently had conversations and he's like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like I, um, so I can relate to all of that really deeply. Um, so thank you. Um, so to kind of backtrack, what is sustainable investing? Because that's something I've wondered, you know, um, coming from like, for example, my dad is very money-minded and for over a year, he's been like, you need to invest, Julia, you need to invest your money's just sitting there in your savings. And I'm like, I don't want to be unwise it or I don't want to, you know, be too risky. And then I, of course, got thinking about, you know, my values and my love and basically obsession with environmentalism is at the center of who I am. And I want my investing to reflect that. Like, is that even possible? Like, how do you go about it? And then I found your page and was like, oh my gosh, it's possible. Um, so yeah, just what is sustainable investing and how how does someone even get started with that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think it's important to note that um, it's pretty insane that all our banks and pensions and retirement schemes are 
still being invested into fossil fuels investments that are you know actively jeopardizing the very future that we're saving to so just take a moment and reflect on that and you, you're going to see like okay we need to change the way we see things today and we really do so sustainable investing is essentially you know when you add a third factor to the way you look at investments so it's if you if you talk about investments in general and then you add the impact it has. So we talk about risk and reward and impact. It's not just clean tech. It's about, you know, I, I got this question once when he's like, well, the ESG sector, which is the ESG is the acronym. Maybe I should rephrase that because I just realized this is a little bit complicated. So maybe we can cut that or something, but okay. So when it comes to sustainable investing, the way, <laughs> uh, the way that the financial industry has chosen to call that or to quantify sustainable investing is by using the term ESG. And that stands for an environmental, social, and governance. And what it does is it measures the impact that this investment have on not just you know, the risk and reward, but also the entire ecosystem around the investment in general or the company. Because let's face it, it, when you invest in a stock, you invest in a company, right? That's just what it is. And I think that there's a lot of words within the investment investment industry that just unnecessarily complicated. And I think they do that for a reason. But so what, that's essentially what we do. Uh, and I wish that I could come here and say that it's so easy, so standardized, so everything looks the same. But um, when I started, it was, you know, Nothing looked the same. We had no idea what we were even talking about. Now we're starting to see these ESG um, trends or standardized ways of uh, measuring ESG, but um, there are still a lot of greenwashing and other uh, factors that we have to take into account. But we can talk a little bit about the ESG factors as well, if you want. Um, Yeah, definitely. Because they, what they do, you know, the environmental one, I think that's the one that everyone knows the most about. Because, you know, we talk a lot about climate change today. And even though we talk a lot about it, we could talk about it even more. So I'm not against that at all. Um, but essentially, it's, it's what what kind of effect does this company have on the environment around them? Uh, not just around them, but the environment in general. So it could be uh, global emissions, deforestation, uh, plastic pollution, all of these specific things. But then the social aspect is how do they treat their employees and the society and, you know, the community that they're part of, their suppliers, you know, the entire ecosystem. How do they treat Mm. the people? Are they involved with human rights violations, indigenous rights violations, um, and all of those different aspects? And then the third one is governance. And governance is essentially, you know, how is the company run? Do we have any corruption scandals, any transparency, data security issues? Or even, you know, uh, how, you know, they pay their executives uh, in compared to how they're paying their uh, employees, which is mm-hmm. a topic all in, in itself. But all of those things are, are impact factors when it comes to when you look at an investment. That's super interesting. And it's so, it's yeah, it's complex because a little bit of my background is and my interest is in supply chain. And supply chains, um, so I guess that would be kind of in relation to the S, like social is 
breaking down where materials come from and how, you know, kind of any possible labor violations. Um, with these major companies, their supply chains are so complex and muddy. And so it's really hard. I don't know if, if you found this when seeking out companies to invest in. Um, it's kind of difficult to get a read on, are they greenwashing? Like, are they telling the truth about their supply chain? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. I think that, you know, in order to solve climate change, we need to build better businesses. Yeah. One of the major components that we need to do uh, in order to get where we want to go. And that's part of it. We need to have a more transparent disclosure on all the aspects when it comes to ESG. However, since it's not standardized today, a lot of the data is self-reported that we're looking at. But I do know that there are financial institutions out there that are trying to set a a standardized um, system in place. And Europe is definitely on the forefront when it comes to this. The US is a little bit uh, uh, lagging, but they'll (laughs) get there for sure. So we've talked about the basis of sustainable investing and what um, ESG is, but how would we be able to break down so let's take someone, someone like me, for example, I, I want to get into sustainable investing. Where do I even start? Um, so I have some money in my savings. Do I, yeah, just where do I start? How does, how does one even begin this journey of sustainable investing? Yeah, so I would say that it's uh, normally three layers to it. There's first, you know, the savings that you have in your bank account, then it's, it's, um, your spending and then it's your investing so of course but if we talk about just the investment part you need to know just the basic basics of investing in general mm-hmm. you know what is compound interest and you know when, once you understand compound interest it's one of the I think it's Einstein who said it's one of the seventh wonders of the world <laughs> but it, what it means is you know when you get interest on interest it's a snowball effect of saving uh-huh. money um, then you will start to understand why you need to build wealth in this way. And I would say the first thing to do, what everyone will tell you to do in today's society is definitely to just buy an index fund. Because an index fund is, is easy. You don't have to stock pick. You can just buy an index fund, uh, which gives you a little bit of everything. So for example, uh, uh, the S&P 500 index fund, you will get a small piece of every company in the S&P 500. But what they don't tell you when they say that is that, you know, you get a little bit of everything. So you get oil and gas companies, you get companies involved with human rights violations, scandals and indigenous rights scandals and, um, you know, tobacco and gambling and all of these things that you might not agree with. You might agree with them, but you might not as well. So what you can do in that case is also to pick an index fund, but just make sure that they have the word or acronym ESG in the title. Mm, Okay. Uh, Now, obviously it's not, that's the first level of what you can do because that will give you what they typically do, the index funds who use that is that they take away the bad ones. So the ones that score the lowest. Oh, okay. Um, Because when we look at the ESG factors, they are all scores from one to a hundred. So each of them, which means that you can score a company can score very high on governance and social, but very low on environmental, and they will still score pretty high when it comes to the ESG score in general. That's the problem with a lot of the oil companies today, uh, that they are 
typically part of the ESG portfolios or funds, even though you think you might think that, oh, if I invest uh, ESG, I will invest fossil fuel free, but you won't. Um, but you will still get the worst ones out if you use that method. So that's a really good place to start. So you've had a lot of posts about about breaking down different companies um, and kind of how they exist on this ESG um, or index scale. How do you seek out companies to invest in, especially, I don't know if I'm going to word this question properly, but weighing, is it worth investing in this company versus like, I don't know if this makes any sense. But yeah, how do you how do you navigate what companies to invest in or, or what companies are worth investing in? So first of all, we have to understand that when we invest in a company, what we're doing is that we're giving them money, our money, to further expand their business. So that is how that's the whole that's the whole purpose of a stock market from the very beginning. It was to to help companies raise money to make investments within their own business, like innovations and uh, growth, sales growth, for example. So that is what you're doing when you invest. So you have to figure out for yourself what you believe in and what you're willing to compromise on. So would you rather invest or fund? Let's use the word fund instead, because that's what you're doing. You're funding a company to expand. Would you rather fund a company who has a really great idea on how to solve climate change but do you treat their employees really shitty? What would you choose? Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I definitely would. Well, that's a real question. So you, oh, so. it wasn't rhetorical. <laughs> no, I would not. I would not because they might have that idea, but if they're not putting it into practice in ways that I align with, then what's the point? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's not just about clean tech. It's about you know the entire impact they have on everything around them. Right. And I that's something that we see more and more within the industry as well. Yeah. I feel like you have to look at it holistically. It's interesting. I, yeah. I mean, cause even on this podcast, the whole point is to look at things holistically. It's a, it's a whole system. So you might have, yeah, a great idea for clean tech or to something to solve climate change, but you can't solve holistically solve climate change without also, you know, fair labor and, um, if, if you're involved in the impression of certain groups of people, then you can't holistically solve, um, solve all of these, you know, environmental issues. So that's really interesting. That's a good question. Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves that question as well. And, um, Right now, you could, if you want to, pick just the companies that align with you and pick together a portfolio and you would, could do with that. But that takes a lot of energy and a lot of uh, dedication from your part. And I, a lot of us don't have that time or energy or maybe even interest to do that. So that's why I do recommend to, to look at different funds. And I, I have a free guide on my website through my Instagram where I've listed the best index funds or ETFs uh, in the US and in Europe that you can choose that I agree with. But again, that's what I agree with. So mm-hmm. you have to decide for yourself, what do you agree with more than the others? Because like I said, there, we have the companies that um, 
when the fund managers that are still investing the, the ESG money into fossil fuels investments, but we also have them, the people who say, no, we don't invest in those either. Or the ones who even go further and say, we don't invest in companies that even exploits animals or you know, in, in any shape or form um, contributes to yeah, suppression of, of people, people groups. That's not the right word for it. But, oh, yeah, uh, that's, that's totally, um, yeah, the oppression of different groups of people. Yeah, very true. Um, so I know, I know investing can, and how much you invest can exist on like a huge spectrum. So how, I don't know if this question's too broad, but for someone starting out, let's say like, I told you my podcast demographic tends to be people around my age, like, you know, early mid twenties. Um, so maybe they don't have a ton of money to invest. Um, so how, how would you figure out how much you want to invest? That's a very good question. I mean, I think that the first thing we can do is definitely um, to look at where you work today. And if you have an employer, you know, pension type of system or scheme typically you have that in the U.S. I know that so uh, because how it works is that you can choose where you invest those money and you can just ask is there a sustainable option that's the absolute easiest way to do and if it's not then then um, write to them I mean that sounds it might sound a little bit too aggressive but the thing is that right now we have around a trillion dollar, we just hit that threshold in uh, last year in ESG funds or sustainable funds. Um, and we didn't get that because you know the banks wanted to be nice and do it and create environmental products. We did that because we asked for it. Yeah. Because that's that's what's controlling the entire system in the world we live in. So as we, especially now millennials will come first and inherit the wealth of the earth and then Gen Z, of course. And the more we do that, the more we choose to invest our money and the way we express our wishes that will change the entire system of the financial industry. We need to understand the power that that has. So you can just ask them, is there a sustainable option? And if it's not, then ask them to create one. Because they will know this is not something new. People are asking for it. And you just need to be part of that movement. Yeah, that's so true. It's funny because I, the financial industry, I always like separated as something that I couldn't ever understand. It was too intimidating. But then coming from an apparel background, it's the exact same way. Like brands aren't changing their support their supply chain are trying to create more sustainable quote unquote collections out of just the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because that's what customers are starting to demand. So the more you ask, the more they'll deliver and, and evolve and change. That's really, that's cool. I, yeah, I always, the financial world, I just separated myself from like, Oh, I, it's so intimidating. I could never wrap my head around it, but these ideas are something that I can totally relate to and, yeah. yeah, and I wanted to bring something up because this week was a very, very um, special week for the entire industry. And that is that, you know, one of the things that companies, especially big fund managers, as an individual investor like you and I, it's kind of hard to make influence, like influence a company to change their behavior mm-hmm. without just, you know, boycotting them, which is what we're doing most of the time. But the biggest investors in the world, you know, 
Vanguard and um, BlackRock. Mm. They're they own around what what is it seventy percent of the S and P five hundred. That's how much money that they have in those companies. That means that they have a lot of voter rights. And so you, if you own something in them, you they they vote on the behavior within the company, and they're expected to do that. So during this week, we've had major, you know, shareholder meetings that has just been. I don't even know the English word for it, but they they've they're going to change the history of the industry going kind forward. Revolutionary. Yeah, definitely revolutionary because uh, the biggest companies, you know, ExxonMobil and Chevron, they've come out and they're like, we're not going to change the way we're doing business. We're going to continue to explore oil. We're going to continue to produce it. And they all, I know that Exxon said something about, you know, that the, um, Oil companies in Europe, they're moving towards renewables, but we will never do that, et cetera, et cetera. But shareholders went together. So over the course of, you know, from the beginning of the year, they started to mobilize uh, over, you know, $12 trillion within ExxonMobil shareholders uh, to push them to a deeper commitment to climate change. That is the power that we have. And that's what happened two days ago where... Uh, shareholders, they forced Exxon to commit to climate uh, to climate goals, and they for, even forced two new hires within their board that has uh, experience within climate change and environmental solutions. So you can push from change from within just by investing in the right uh, in the right fund manager in the right companies. So that's some of the power that we have while using that. Uh, that's wild. That that makes me excited because, yeah, that's. Because some of the conversations that I've had or, you know, on social media with a lot of people my age that I hear is that, you know, money is evil and capitalism is is destroying society. And I think those are valid conversations. Like, I like to have conversations coming from most all sides, but it's also like money's a part of society. That's how it is. Um, so, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'd be kind of interested to hear. Controversial, and I know that, but the, the problem isn't capitalism itself because capitalism essentially what capitalism is is just that you know our individual choices will influence the way the world works so Mm. the more corrupt we are as people the more corrupt the system will be however the problem that we have is something that's called fiduciary absolutism and that is how companies are run today which means that they are run they're mandated to not put any other purpose above shareholder profit, which means that you know they're not supposed to make any sacrifices, any investment in the environment because they're always supposed to put per- uh, profits over purpose. Mm. That is a real problem. Yeah, that's a real problem right there. So, and that's something that started to happen in the '70s, and it was in the '90s specifically where it was chartered into the entire economic system that we live in today. And all the big investors, they still say that, like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, they they still say that, you know, companies shouldn't shouldn't be held accountable to anything else and just how much profit that they make. And that is what we as sustainable investors want to change. We want to take that word completely out of the question and just say, you know focus on st- all the stakeholders within a company, not just the shareholders. So when we talk about the stakeholders, we talk about, you know, the customers, the employees, the, all the, the suppliers, 
Um, but we also talk about the shareholders. So that's part of it. And we can see from research that the companies that are focusing on shareholder or stakeholder driven you know, mythology, they're overperforming their peers on the stock market, which has been kind of the whole shift uh, within sustainable investing was last year, because then we could actually say that, okay, this is not just a short trend. This is uh, the shift is monumental and will forever change the way that the financial industry works. So yeah, there's a lot of fun things happening within this industry right now. It's so cool. I love how passionate you are about this. I know this is your calling, but it's like genuinely, this is, this is definitely one of my favorite episodes I've done because <laughs> it's so different. And um, from other conversations I've had and it's, it's so unique and I, it's, it's just so cool. You're so cool. <laughs> um, so speaking of you, I would love for you to talk about your kind of brand and brand identity of money meets soul and the work you do and, um, and how people can support you or, you know, you know, contact you. Yeah. Well, I deeply, I'm very passionate about putting more money in the hands of good people, because I think that that is the thing that will change the world. Um, we are right now being taught to separate ourselves from our money. You know, mm-hmm. don't get emotional or don't get too attached or do that or do this. But that is also the things that are keeping the systems in place. And that's what we need to change. And, um, you know, it's so interesting because as soon as we talk about money, we get so competitive and greedy and grumpy and, you know, we ruin even, you know, friendship and relationships over it. But in the rest of our lives, we're very compassionate and genuine and, you know, caring, loving, but not when it comes to money. And there's a huge disconnection from ourselves there. Yeah. And I think that is one of the problems that we have because we can't, we can't solve climate change without money. It's impossible. I don't know if you hear this thunder happening outside of my window right now. <laughs> it's fine. It's raining here too. <laughs> um, so I, so that's one of the things, that's why I do what I do. And I think that we have a lot of healing to do in this area as well, because especially generations that are coming now, we are even better at separating ourselves from our money because we, we have seen what former generations of greed, of destruction have done to the planet. So the most yeah. of the people who are awake on the planet right now, which obviously most of your listeners are, because otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this, they just so deeply disagree with the way money has been taught and acted on within our society. So to just take a stance from it and just, no, no I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to look at it. It's evil. It's bad. But that is where the power is. So we need to change the way we think and act around it, because that is what actually can save the world. There's, I have a free guide with the ETFs that you can choose. Uh, my favorite sustainable ETFs. I'm right now launching five ways to greenify your money. So wherever you have, you know, your money today, whether it's, you know, spending, saving, investing, wherever you are in your money journey, um, you can find ways to channel it and connect it to your values. That's what money meets soul is all about, you know, connecting your money with yourself. Um, so those are the things that I'm doing. I also run monthly masterclasses uh, in my in a memberships type form, and I do group coaching and courses together. There's a lot of things happening right now, so I don't know when you're when you're about to air this episode, so I can't say what's out and what's not out uh, <laughs> until then. That's so exciting! Oh, I want to take one of your masterclasses. I'm already learning so much. Um, yeah, your whole your whole 
brand and your mission is so interesting and it's really empowering. Like even just this, what less than an hour conversation, I already feel more confident and empowered, um, to invest my money. And it's also really great too, because I don't know if this makes any sense, but to me, money has always felt like this really male dominated thing, um, that I feel nervous approaching. Um, and I know the bank I, um, I use has, um, advisors that I can talk to, but I, I don't want to seem like dumb if I talk to them or like, what if they guide me in a weird direction? So talking to a female about this, who has a background in finance and is really passionate about, you know, environmentalism and making the world a better place. You've created, I think through your brand, a safe space for people to have these kind of conversations and ask questions. I love that because that is, that's is the goal. Uh, I mean, there's so much gatekeeping within the financial industry because obviously if, if it was easy to understand, they couldn't make money off you, right? Mm. That might sound harsh, but that's true. And that is why I'm doing what I'm doing because I, I think they have a role to play definitely. But I also think that there's a lot of things you can do for yourself. If you, what is, I know this whole episode has essentially been advice to people who are interested in beginning their sustainable investing journey, but what if you could give kind of like just a bit of advice or kind of like some, some key, um, key words of wisdom to someone who's interested in sustainable investing and using their money for good, what, what would it be? You know, one of the things that is most detrimental to the health of our planet right now is overconsumption. Yeah. Overconsumption does not stem for the things that you love. So if you buy things that you absolutely love and value, those are not the things that create overconsumption. The overconsumption comes from the things that you buy because either you want to kick from your money or you know you see this and you're like, oh, that might be nice, or you know, all the things that the media is telling us that you should buy because you're not enough as you are as a person. Those are the things that will end up in the landfills within six months from now. But the things that you love, that you're going to keep and stay with you, that you know, because you know that when you see that, you know, dress in the store, you know, you feel it in yourself. Yeah. You know, you, f- you feel this jolt. You're like, I, lo- I can't live without this. Those are the <laughs> things you should buy. You buy all of those things, but cut the rest of it out. Just make sure, just decide what you care about and focus on that. And that will make you wealthier and the planet healthier. That was a little bit of but yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It, this makes me think, it was like last summer I was listening to, um, there's this podcast, I, f- I forgot what it's called, um, but it's with this woman named Lacey Phillips. It's like very uh, like woo-woo, but she does talk about money. And it was the, it's the most, one of the most interesting conversations I ever heard about money. And it was essentially that, that, you know, because I tend to have guilt when I spend money. Um, and she was, it was really interesting because the podcast host comes from a really low income background. And as she's accumulated continual wealth, she has felt empowered to spend and invest in things that are so authentically that bring her like genuine and authentic joy. And like you kind of mentioned, are a really genuine expression of the things she loves. Um, and then she basically said the same thing where it's like cut the fat, like invest in the things that 
are a genuine expression of what you love and like really bring you joy. Um, even if it is a bigger investment and, but if you have the means to do so and then cut the fat and cut the stuff that is just spending money just to spend money. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing that you can do both for yourself and, but it, you might say that it's, it's easy. It feels easy when you listen to it, but when you start looking into it, you have to decide what you care about. And that's, that's hard. Um, Yeah, it is. I'm in that place right now. And I, and it's, it's tricky, especially this is a conversation I have all the time, especially around when I talk to people around like the apparel industry, like for example, um, it's way way easier said than done to invest in a slow fashion, sustainable brand where a dress is $300, but our perception of value is so distorted because of the fast fashion industry. And because of this world of overconsumption, where most of what we have access to is really cheap products. So now our Mm -hmm. perception of value is really skewed, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree with that. One thing you can do, I, I am, I don't like to enforce harsh rules because I think that even, you know, if you, I don't work with budgets either, even though I help people create that because um, a budget is just a short-term solution. The goal is for you to trust yourself just as you do with not overeating. You're trusting yourself not to overspend. It's a whole uh, Mm. mindset and value system that you have to anchor in first. But um, one of the things that can help you, I don't like if I buy something that is from a fast, fast fashion brand, for example, my rule for myself is, okay, will I wear this 30 times? Yeah. If that's a yes, then I can buy it because then it's still a, a goal for me to use it in a sustainable way. Because I, if I, even if I, bear, I buy something that from a sustainable brand that I won't use, that still won't help. Mm, very true. So I'm trying to play with around, you know, find solutions to all the rules that are in our society today. Yeah, it's not a black and white thing, and it's difficult too because we're all. I mean, money's a comp- money. A lot of people's relationship with money is complicated. My my relationship with money right now in my life is super complicated. So it's yeah, I think it's it's not the what, it's the why and the how. Um, so yeah, buying a piece that maybe it's cheaper, but you you love it and you make it work for a really long time, definitely. Um, so my closing question, even though I have a million more questions for you, I could listen to you talk like all day. I wish you were a professor because I would, <laughs> I would <do> that. <laughs> um, is as an individual and also, you know, an, a passionate investor and an environmentalist, what gives you hope for the future? We're heading into uh, an era now that I'm so excited to be a part of. Uh, the new generations that are coming, there's a, there's an, we're heading into an era of awareness and transparency, holding companies accountable for their actions. We are, you know, forcing change from the within, just as the example I gave with the, the big oil industries. This, I have so much hope and optimism for the future uh, because I definitely think that a lot of people feel very defeated when you think about all the big issues that are happening in the world. And I did so... Uh, as well for a long time but I realized um, that even the small things that you can do and even when we mobilize together as people are doing right now everywhere 
that really has the power to change the world. And this new generation that are coming right now, I mean, I'm stoked about the future. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Seeking Sustainability. If you enjoyed this episode or any others that you've listened to, then make sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. Also, to stay connected, you can follow the podcast Instagram at Seeking Sustainability underscore podcast and my personal Instagram at julia.planford. As always, feel free to reach out to me regarding any questions, comments, or episode requests. And of course, share this podcast with anyone who you feel might be interested in learning a bit more about environmentalism and sustainability as well. Thanks everyone, and I will talk to you guys soon.